Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Hello, welcome to the third part of our Rest is History special on the statues of central london and dominic we've really been kind of working our way towards where we are standing now haven't we right from the very beginning because we're now in parliament square and we're in front of the statue that that triggered the whole statue debate which is the image of winston churchill yeah this great hulking image great hulking image um which essentially has become a kind of lightning rod in the culture wars. So we've come on the one day when it's not covered with scaffolding or daubed with is a racist or Chelsea FC yes. or any of the other things yeah, that it's had, in, had to endure in the last... Um, so, yes, so we're on the edge of Parliament Square. He's, he's facing Big Ben. He's this incredibly imposing sort of heroic figure. Um, so supposedly, Tom, Churchill ringed 20 years before he died. He ringed this area of Parliament Square. For himself. On a map and said, that is where my statue will go. And they, the guy, the sculptor did it and apparently had to redo it because it looked too much like Mussolini. Because <laughs> um, well. he does look, his head, they had to make Churchill's head smaller because otherwise he would look like Mussolini. But anyway, here he is, the great old man of 20th century British politics and the sort of, you know, for, for so long seen as the incarnation of the the Dunkirk spirit, the British bulldog, all the cliches that we grew up with, I suppose, didn't we? Um, and he is the reason, to some extent, he's the reason we're having this, we're doing these podcasts at all. Because yeah. his statue has become so controversial. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I, I, I think in a way, it, it's... The, de- the debate around the statue has become divorced from, from any historical debate about Churchill himself. Yeah. I think essentially people come here and put Mohicans on it or daub it or whatever simply because it's a, a fun way to annoy people who will be annoyed by people doing it. Well, it's that. sort of eatable, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of... Um, I don't think it's even that. I don't think they even, people even care about Churchill particularly. Don't you think so? I think it's just... A, I think if you're, if, you're on a, if you're on a demo and you want to annoy the people that you're on a demo protesting against, you know that defacing Churchill will get a rise out of them. I think it's more political it's a way, than that. It's a way of pissing Churchill off is, the gammons. Chur- and on the topic of gammons, oh. I should just mention yeah. that the single funniest fact, in our first episode, um, we, did, we, uh, we looked at the statue of, of um, General Napier. And I forgot to mention that he, the statue of uh, Sir Charles James Napier uh, was actually sculpted by somebody called George Gammon Adams. So, See, if I was a more cynical man, I would think that you've spent the first few moments of this podcast <laughs> just waiting for an opportunity to bring out your <laughs> Napier gammon joke that you forgot to mention two podcasts ago. Um, well, you Churchill, might think that, but... it's interesting that he's, he's just got the one name, hasn't he? I mean, well, he's got the one name, what's stupid thing to say? He's just got the one word on his plinth. So there's no Winston, there's no dates, there's just No explaining Churchill. who he was. No, but I, I suppose the assumption was you wouldn't need it. I mean, Churchill was just a titanic figure. And actually, I will say this. He's one of the... You do see people looking at it as they walk past. So there are people right now looking at it, and they're actually about to take a photo, which is not true of most of the statues we covered in the previous podcast. So it's still a statue that clearly, well, it matters. I know that's a weird thing to say of the statue of a man who died in 1965, but it does matter to people, for good or ill. So I think on on the issue of statues, 
a, a huge issue is why why is the statue being put up? And as we have kind of clearly uh, realised over the course of the previous two podcasts, every figure has a kind of ambivalent record. Yeah, uh, you you can always find a dark side. You can always find complications. We haven't had any saints um, yet, have we? We haven't had any saints, and. So it matters why he's put up. Was was it, is this statue commemorating uh, Churchill's racism? Is it commemorating his attitudes to India? Is it commemorating his record in in the general strike? I don't think it, it, it's it's in this pole position for any of those reasons. Obviously. This statue is here because he is the man who ensured that Britain stayed independent in 1940 against the worst tyranny that yeah. the world has ever faced. Tom, this is and, great. Keep it coming. And and for that reason, if there have to be statues. I'm happy for there to be a statue here yeah. of Churchill. If anybody's well, I, I would just also... want to say this. If anyone's listening to this from the Daily Mail, Tom Holland is not available to write. <laughs> yeah, but better, there's a but. Better Dominic, columnists Dominic, are available. But Dominic, there's a, there's a but, <laughs> which is that in general, I, I find the, this kind of cluster... Oh, I'm about to be arrested. What a shame that you're being signed. Yeah, I'm about to be arrested. <laughs> um, I don't like this kind of galaxy of, of, of political luminaries here. Oh, I love this. I love a pantheon. No, I don't. Because... because to be honest, I, I'm happy for Churchill to be here. See, I would come here with my son and walk around and say, he's him, this is so-and-so. I think this is a great educative square, this, a space. So this is Parliament Square. Yeah. So in a sense, this is the a kind of figurative representation of our democracy. Yeah. So it matters hugely who is here. Well, that's why you have Churchill, because he defended British democracy in yeah, 1940 so, so, so when I'm it was in I'm happy for Churchill to be here if we have to have statues. Yeah. But I do think that there is a case for saying in Parliament Square that we, rather as with the Cenotaph, yeah. which symbolises the war dead, without reference to generals, without reference to, um, even to, to kind of representative figures of, of the soldiers who fought in the war, and I think therefore is all the more moving for it, I think that there would be a way of summoning up the traditions of, of British democracy here that didn't rely a massive on stone hugely... ballot box. Is that what you want? Well, I'm not. I'm not a sculptor, so I, well, I you know, I, um, I, I think nations I, need heroes, and I think elected but, but, democratic representatives are as good as any. But but <laughs> politicians, by their definition, kind of aren't heroes and are by definition divisive figure. So if Churchill, who who saved the country, who who yeah, you know, did as much as anyone to defeat fascism is a is a controversial figure. Then so is everyone else. So but we're Tom, now standing Tom, in front of a man who who I know you you have you have let's said. Let's get on to him saying, but let's one point about Churchill. Churchill was divisive when he died in 1965. His former sworn political adversaries, so people like Clement Attlee, said he was a great man. Attlee said, sure. you know, the greatest Englishman of our time." Nobody opposed his statue. Nobody opposed his state funeral. So I think, but they somebody do now, can be don't div- they? They do now, and that's the point. Yeah, but for th- 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 that's the point is that he's now become a divisive figure. Okay, right. I'm. I'm. I don't want to get cross, so um, <laughs> I'm going to start crying, which would be, uh, <laughs> which would be worse. So, but we're now yes, in front right. of David Lloyd George, who I know you, you absolutely, you essentially despised. wanted to cancel. Yeah, I mean, so it's a terrible statue. It's a, it's, it's it a, looks a, like a melting ice lolly. <laughs> it's from 2007. <laughs> He's um, got his cloak like he's doing an enormous, great, yeah. breaking wind. <laughs> it's a tremendous effect. He's got this sort of billowing cloak behind him. He's wearing a bow tie, isn't he? Um, so Lloyd George, I suppose, the argument for him is, you know, liberal, reforming yeah. liberal chancellor, um, uh, one of the founding fathers of the welfare state, ultimately, the man who won the war, so-called, in World War One. The argument against him is, 
unbelievably corrupt, even by 21st century standards. You know, flogged peerages for money, stabbed all his colleagues in their back. And didn't he a get hideous, off with his daughter-in-law? A hideous womanizer, cuckolded his own son, which I yeah. think is pretty bad form at any moment in history. I don't think there's ever yeah. been a time when that's yeah. been regarded as... And yeah, sort of... Just couldn't be trusted around women. I mean, in a Me Too age... To me, Lloyd George is a bit vulnerable, actually. Now, this will raise hackles among our Welsh listeners because he's the only Welshman, I think, we've had in these three podcasts. And they would want him. But, um, and, of course, liberals. He's a great liberal hero. Well, the thing is, I think, I think the argument is either you have, you have everybody, which is a sect- yeah. effectively what we've got. Yeah. So, in which case, don't cancel any of them. I wouldn't or, really cancel him. Or, really or, or get rid of the lot. Now, well, all that said, Tom, I said I wouldn't really cancel him. And now we're on to a, a very, very, very interesting candidate. So this is somebody we're now in front of Jan Christian Smuts, 1870 to 1950. So this is a fascinating one that most visitors to this square will not recognize the name and they won't know why he's here. He's a Boer War general who fought against the British, then is kind of reconciled to Britain. Uh, he fights in World War I. And he is the South African Prime Minister during World War II. And I'm sure li- people who listen to our sister podcast, We Have Ways, about the Second World War, will know that there were contingency plans that if Churchill died in World War II, Smuts would become Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Um, so the, and, and his day, a colossal figure, now kind of forgotten in, in Britain at least. Um, but of course, because he was a white South African, there is baggage. I mean, he wasn't you know, fully pro-apartheid. He wasn't part of the apartheid regime, but he was pro-segregation. And he had views about race that would be unpalatable to us now. So actually, if you're going to do the keep and cancel game, he is very vulnerable. Do you not think? Well, so he, he is one of a number of statues here that, that aren't British. Yes. I, I think there's an issue with that because... I actually think it's a kind of imperial hangover. Of course it is in his case, um, yeah. But I, th- I think we're going to come to the statue of Gandhi and of, of Mandela as well. Yeah. I think in a sense, um, you may say, you know, we're paying respect to the traditions that they represent. But in a way, we're also kind of appropriating them. And it's like we're, we're, we're treating them as, um, as though they're still... You know, subjects of the British Empire. But he in a was way. part of a global British. Yes, I know. Empire. But, I but, mean, but so, so essentially, this this is a very, very imperial space. Yeah. Precisely, not just because we've got Smuts here, but because we've got Mandela and Gandhi as well. Agreed. And I, I think, I, I think so, actually, so. I think we are we are appropriating. You know, the great figures of of, of India and and of South Africa. Well, they were part. Um, I mean, Smuts was part of Britain's story. So Smuts, I agree. So Mandela and Gandhi are slightly different. But but the Smuts. I mean, also it's a very odd statue because he looks like he's ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's got his hands behind his back, yeah, and it's he like he's he kind of I think gliding across striding, the ice. Striding forth. Now, one of my favourite historical characters, we've talked about him in the podcast. Uh, uh, the before, World Cup of Prime Ministers. The World didn't Cup we? of Prime Ministers. He's Viscount Palmerston. Yes. Supposedly, though apocryphally, I think, died while deflowering a maid on a billiard table at the um, age of 80. Yes. Um, uh, uh, what your brother would Gunboat call. Gunboat diplomacy. What your brother would call him a massive lad. I think yes. it's fair to say. Gunboat diplomacy, smiting foreigners. Um, he, he, was an, he was an abolitionist, actually. So slavery is the yardstick. He's got, he he's got, he's got bonus points, but then he's got debits because he 
um, wanted to support the Confederacy because he hated America. So he thought this is our way to smash America, so we should have supported the Confederacy. Um, he but he's, big... he's, he's the model of a, a Victorian imperialist. imperialist. Yeah, he is. He's, a, he's an unashamed... If he were here now, I mean, he would, he but, would but, absolutely you know, be on... But, but, but again, to, to, to apply the, um, the, the standard that we, we have actually rather inconsistently been applied, Very you could say that statues are... You know, a gallery of history. It's yeah. it's a kind of Madame Tussauds. In, well, that's what in, Parliament in, Square is. I mean, we're yeah. surrounded by a line. Of, you know, so I'm, my, my argument is veering all over the place here, like a yeah, a, I too. A shopping I, see, I would keep. Um, I, I like Palmerston. I like the fact he's there. I think it's a bit of Victorian history. It's a dashing think, statue. It's a very good statue, isn't yeah, it? He looks. Looking, he looks like a classic Victorian statesman. He does. As does the next person, who oh, is this? the um, the Earl of Derby. Oh, everyone loves everyone the Earl of Derby. <laughs> Derby. I mean, actually, Nobody wants to cancel oh, the fight, Earl of Derby. I'm going to fight through these crowds here. <laughs> crowds of pilgrims yeah. are genuflecting. A lot of foreign tourists, I think, come specifically <laughs> to look at the... And, and there's a lovely um, relief at the bottom of the House of Commons, 1833. And there's the Earl of Derby doing his stuff at the dispatch <laughs> box. So he was a Tory leader for 22 years. He was Prime Minister three times, but I think sort of for a period of about a week on each occasion. Um, I'm exaggerating. Uh, here he is as the Chancellor of the University yes, of Oxford. Oxford. See, what a man. What and a on man. the other side, he's the Central Executive Cotton Famine <laughs> Relief Committee. Committee. Oh, he's kind. Uh, and uh, Cabinet Council, 1867. So, uh, again, a massive lad. So, um, Disraeli put this up, 1874. You know what Disraeli said? No. We have raised this statue to him not only as a memorial, but as an example, not merely to commemorate but to inspire. So that's why there are crowds of foreign tourists. Yeah, they've come to be inspired. Genuflecting before him. Um, now, I think our producer, Tony, has been haranguing me throughout these three episodes about relevance. And I think the Earl of Derby is a hard one for me to justify because whatever his achievements, whatever his political importance in the 19th century, if relevance is your, is your yardstick, which I absolutely don't think it should be, but if it is... The Earl of Derby him. is relevant to nobody. He does have magnificent whiskers. What about to Derby? Whiskers. To the city of Derby? Yeah. I don't know that he had any great you know, affection for Derby as a place. But he's, so he's, he's not, not, a, he's not, not batting for Derby till I die. Um, <laughs> kind of. Uh, you know, when, he, when he thinks of Brian Clough. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's a, a reference to be lost on some of our non-football <laughs> um, fancying listeners. Um, anyway, yeah, he's, he's got great whiskers. So yeah, he does have great so whiskers. One for the mutton chop. He's one for the barbers. Well, not for the barbers, obviously. No, no, um, no. Okay, now now we've got to a more progressive one, Tom. Yeah. So we all we've done all men except for your Boudica. Um Although she was last time, wasn't she? I've actually lost track. This walk has been going on for so long. Very recent statue. Do you want to tell us about it? So this is um, Millicent Fawcett, the great suffragette leader, uh, which went up 2018, was it? 2019. Um, after a, a, a lengthy campaign. Um, 2018, you're right. I was just looking at my notes. 2018. Um, Caroline Criado. Caroline yeah. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's great. All in favour of that. Although, you know what? The Guardian ran columns saying she shouldn't have a statue. They said she wasn't a radical uh, suffragette. Um, they do have pictures all around the side. Well, you see, that, that's, you see, that's why I like it. It's, it's because one of, you know, kind of saying that one of the problems with... Um, the argument that individuals can sum up entire movements is that 
you know, it does very much focus attention on the individual. Yeah. But here they've got photographs of um, people, mostly women, but not, not exclusively, no, who contributed to the suffrage. No, I think they're all women, actually. No, I think so. Who you, who's a man there? There's a chap. George Lansbury. George Lansbury okay, so there is a man. Leader of the Labour Party. Yeah, we've got a couple of men. We've okay, got the Pankhurst. They, so they're the more radical. I thought Tom was just being disobliging about the, um, the women on the memorial, but no. And it has this message. She's actually carrying, you know, this um, flag, I guess. Courage calls to courage everywhere. Very nice, very moving. Um, I think it actually is a lovely bit of public art. It is. And the, the fabric of her dress, you can almost... You can almost touch it. You can always touch you it, can't touch you? It. In fact, I'm um, going to. But Tom, do you know there what? You yeah. She, again, is everybody's cancellable. She was opposed, uh, very violently opposed to Home Rule for Ireland. She left the Liberal Party over the issue of Home Rule to join the Liberal Unionists. So, you know, visitors from Dublin, she's not going to be first stop on their list. And, and I suppose that reinforces the point that everybody, that none of them are saints. That if you are in this sort of cancellation game, you can find a reason for any historical character. Uh, and talking of no one being saints, our next one is um, Benjamin Disraeli. Benjamin Disraeli, Dizzy. The Boris Johnson of the Victorian world. Yeah, I mean, Dizzy is the ultimate imperialist, right? I mean, he's the man who made Queen Victoria Empress of India. Uh, he's a charming shyster, isn't he? He's a mountebank. He's a mountebank. He's a, a charming shyster. He and Palmerston he, are kind Boris-esque. of Boris figures, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but he's but here he's not dizzy. He's not Disraeli. He's Beaconsfield. Yeah, the, Earl the of title he took. Yeah, because um, he's all about the pageantry. And he looks and very pomp. serious. He looks statesmanlike. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, Why is Gladstone not here? That is an excellent question to which I don't know the answer. Um, maybe Gladstone because of his sort of you know he's a great commoner and all that sort of stuff. But he, you feel if Disraeli's here, then Gladstone should be here as well. Yeah. Because otherwise it makes a mockery the Tories of the have whole got thing. A, the Tories have got a good run with the Earl of Derby as well, of course. Yeah. The punter's favourite. And also there isn't a Labour, uh, Labour no. politician here. No, no, Atlee, So again, no. I think that's a lack. So we should put up more statues, which is... I think we should have a statue of Atlee. I think we should have a statue of Gladstone. Do you think we should have a statue of Jim Callaghan? Definitely. Definitely. I think it's and what on that people note, want. I tell you what we should have. We should have a break. Yeah, we should. So we shall reconvene after the break and we should be looking at more, yet more statues. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> statues, we've got them. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Statue Fest that is the third episode of our tour of uh, Central London. We're in Parliament Square and we are now standing in front of another statue, um, someone who was uh, a subject of the British Empire. Yes. um, But is an icon of another country, Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, of course. A half-naked fakir, as Churchill called him. So I Um, was saying earlier that I think that this is an act of cultural appropriation. But Gandhi is a kind of reckoning with empire, isn't he? He the is. The fact that his statue is there. So it he went is, up in 2015. But that's ostensibly what it is. Yeah. But I think it's kind of implicitly so, serving as a reminder of the British Empire. Having a cake and eating it. Well, it's a kind of post-imperial morality. So it's, it's objectively saying we're against the empire. But hey, look, you know, we're in the centre of what was the imperial capital. And I we're still... think that's a bit harsh. I think, it's, I, I think he's there as a saint. Actually, he's India's saint. He's not ours. Yeah, but you, you, I think it's a good statement that Britain has a statue of Gandhi. For some, for listeners who don't know, give us a quick pricey of Gandhi's life in 15 seconds. So I suppose Gandhi, I mean, he's, he's um, uh, an Indian who comes to study law actually in London. Yep. So in that sense, so he's he's a he Londoner, could count as a Londoner. Yep. So perhaps on that level, he, he deserves a statue here. 
Um, he uh, he goes to South Africa. He goes back to India. He leads the uh, the fight for independence from the British Raj. Um, gets to see independence and then gets shot by a Hindu nationalist and, and, and die. So a kind of heroic figure. But as with Smuts, he's part of the British story. He's he part, is part of that of, story. He, he, yes, he, he is. But I think his existence here, I don't know, it just kind of slightly feels like we are kind of claiming him as our own. I don't we don't really right. have the right to I, do that. I don't agree with that. I think you're basically saying the, stat, the, the square should be full of what kind of progressive people would call baddies. And I'm you not can't... saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that I think that there is a sense in which appropriating Gandhi, appropriating Mandela, and putting them in, in the middle of um, Parliament Square is saying that, you know, these are kind of British figures. And I don't I, think it's saying that at all. I think it's I saying that... I know, objectively, that's, not, that, that's the... not. And I know that's not the rationale. But I think, I think that, that there is a kind of implicit assumption of moral superiority here. So I often here. think, I often think these things, you know, you bring a load of kids here, primary school children or something, and this is a statue that a lot of them will stop at, even if they don't know the story, because they'll be intrigued by the figure, you know, who's, who's in his kind of robes and stuff. And, and it's so obviously so different from all the others. And it's a great... I mean, it's actually, if nothing else, it's a great educative space i mean you can tell the story i suppose also what's interesting about it yeah and and look at and and if you look at the left arm of both statues they're almost identical yeah so disraeli has the robes of uh, a peer of the realm and gandhi has the kind of the rough homespun of uh, well isn't that a lovely image i mean now just behind i mean so much of this is about empire isn't it and about race and all these kinds of things and just over gandhi's shoulder is in the distance is abraham lincoln um and Abraham Lincoln, I suppose, is he's almost part of the same story to the extent that it's about justice between sort of black and white. That's why Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln is there because he's, but I think it's he's also, America's it's, greatest it's, it's, president. It's also about kind of English speaking peoples, isn't it? Partly, I mean, again, yeah. it's kind of claiming it Lincoln for our, for, for our own. I, just, I, I, think, I just think that it's, it's. I utterly disagree with Utterly that. refute this. So the Lincoln, right? The Lincoln is a gift. The Lincoln is a gift from America. Like the Washington. Like the, and it was un- unveiled by Lloyd George. So it's on the other side. It's over the traffic, so I, I can't be bothered to walk all the way over there. Um, but you can see it from within Parliament Square. It was unveiled by one of the other people in this square, Lloyd George, in 1920, at the end of the First World War. But, of course, Lincoln statues, some of Lincoln statues have been taken down in America now because Lincoln famously, although he was an abolitionist and he led the North during the American Civil War, he didn't believe that white and black people could ever be equal. He argued that there would always be differences and that white race should always be superior. Um, so by 21st century, to some people, by 21st century standards, Lincoln is Council on the wrong side well. of history. Um, which seems an extraordinary thing to me to say about the man who emancipated um, slaves and the Emancipation Proclamation at the end of the American Civil War. But, um, but there you go. You'd keep Lincoln, wouldn't you, Tom? I don't well, think we've appropriated him. He's a present. He's a gift. Yeah, I suppose. I, again, I don't feel back. strongly about it either way. But I, I'm... Now, again, we have to fight our way past hordes of tourists <laughs> uh, for this next one. Well, we've so, had a lot of police cars going by, haven't we? Yeah. And basically, that's this man's fault. Robert Peel. Robert Peel, founder of the police. Yeah. Tamworth's most pride of Tamworth. Tam- yeah, the pride of Tamworth. Um, uh, he spent the statue of, of Peel in Tamworth, along with Athelflaed, Lady of the Mercians. Um, the founding mother of England, who I... You would like put, to see here. I'd like to see here, yeah. yeah. Instead, you have like, to tolerate Robert Beale. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, Robert Peel is a great early, early 19th century prime minister, um, very consequential, repeals the Corn Laws. Uh, the producer's looking sceptical because of his relevance arguments and, you know... No, he's an important figure, but I mean, he's quite figure. boring. He's, uh, Tony's, Tony, the producer, who is the, you know, he's, he's my sort of common man that, I, <laughs> um, <laughs> that we bring on the podcast to be the, the voice of the nation. He's not sure. What about Nelson Mandela? I actually think this is a terrible... I mean, this is an awful thing to say. I actually think it's a bad statue. Why do you think it's a bad statue? Because it doesn't look like him. I don't think it looks quite right. I think the legs are a bit too short. I quite like the shirt. Nelson Mandela have very short legs? Uh, Well, you see, being... But you see, family, small girl's gone up and hugged him. Hugged him, that's nice. So... um, But I'm not sure if she's hugging because she knows he's Nelson Mandela or she's hugging him because it's... uh, Now there's a boy going up to join. I think think there must be a part of that. Yeah, great scenes. They're not doing that to Robert Peel. Mind you, Robert Peel's on for them. He's on a massive plinth. <laughs> Robert Peel's on like a six-foot plinth. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's a health and safety hazard. <laughs> I think surely the youthful Sambrook would have yeah. risked oh, health and safety the to hug the legs of Sir Robert Peel. No, Dominic, come and down. Climb up the Earl of Derby. Mama, Mama, I must hug. I must hug. Them. I must hug Sir Robert Peel. <laughs> Well, anyway, Nelson's here. Now, I suppose, Tom, this is your... You're going to, you know... Well, I've already said what I've got to say about yeah. that. I've <laughs> well, already said what I've got to say. I mean, say. to be fair, you, you've said what you've got to say about 62 podcasts ago, but um, yeah, I, I don't have. hold that against I you. I have, I have. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't... I, you know, I think it's great that the statues of Nelson Mandela, he, you know, ANC had a... London was kind of their second home. Yes, it was. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's crucially important. There was a statue of, of uh, the bust of, of Nelson Mandela on the South Bank. You know, I think that's great. I just think that... that Parliament Square, the hub of, of, of the imperial capital. It just, it just feels slightly... But it kind of makes sense. I think it's a nice closing of the story. It me. closes the circle. Maybe. It has the people, people like, you know, Disraeli, who were Maybe. absolutely emblematic of empire. and create. I mean, who, it was Disraeli who gave Victoria the title Empress of India. And then I think... You chronologically, you close the story with Gandhi. Maybe, maybe. Who fought for Indian yeah, independence. Maybe. Mandela, who came to, you know, to embody reconciliation between black and white and a kind of post-colonial future. No, Dominic, I think that is a nice story. Okay, I'm going to accept that you've thought more deeply about this than I have. This um, is... I, I, I'm, I, the producers are here with us now. Please <laughs> excerpt this clip and put it as a special one-off broadcast. No, I'm just... Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, okay, I, I'm convinced. Tom has been very generous, but I'm I have convinced. to say, Tom has also been very gentlemanly and not mentioned it throughout this, these three episodes. I've been wearing a Tom Holland benefit year a, cap. A Tom Holland-themed baseball cap. Yeah, it's been Utterly great. Utterly humiliating, because I forgot to bring... It's, very, it's a beautiful sunny day, unusually. Yeah. I'm worried about getting sunburnt, and so I'm wearing a Tom Holland... I mean, it's even got your face it's on the a, front. It's, your it's, face modelled as a lion's face. It's a... Or, or, Backed against Rajasthan, where I bowled the Prince of Udaipur. Um, so that's what this is all commemorating. And it's wonderful that you've been broadcasting this to the, uh, to the, the people of central London. I've seen a lot of people it's doing a shame, double actually. takes, actually, and shaking their heads sadly when they see the cap. It's a shame that this is, um, this Maybe, is only uh, yeah. audio, because it would be a wonderful sight for people. And a lot of people have come up to me and say, God, you must love Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic, I... <laughs> I can't believe that you pulled that low trick. After the cap. I mean, come on. Okay, so we've done Parliament Square. There's two more statues that we do need to look at. One of them is the statue of Cromwell, which we talked about in the episode with Paul Lay. The other is the statue of Richard I. So we'll come to them. But before we do that, 
standing next to Parliament Square, we've got Westminster Abbey. Yeah. And we've talked a lot. Actually, um, our very first podcast, we were talking about ideas of greatness and then of saintliness. We were. And we've talked about martyrs. And there are literal martyrs um, above the Great West Door of Westminster Abbey. So I think we should go and have a look at them because I think that they're a fascinating counterpoint to the array of kind of secular power that we get okay. in Parliament Square. Any excuse to so do let's, church um, mongering. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's cross the road and we'll, we'll join there. So, Tom, you've dragged me um, to the front of Westminster Abbey. Very nice. Of course, uh, lovely Abbey. But I want to know why I'm here. What have you got for me? Okay, so we're looking at the, the West Doorway. Um, and above the West Doorway, there were vacant niches for um, presumably biblical figures or biblical kings or saints or whatever would have gone up. And they were empty. So um, beginning of the 21st century, they, they put up statues of, of people who'd been martyred for the Christian faith yeah. over the course of the 20th century. Um, and... Uh, they are of international scope. So we were just talking in, in Parliament Square about, you know, the, the international um, character of, of, of commemoration. Here it's absolutely Catholic in the, you know, small C sense, the kind of universal church. Uh, so in the middle you have um, Martin Luther King yeah. is one of them. Um, you've got um, Oscar Romero, who was the oh, yes. of, El Salvador, uh, El Salvador, who was yeah. shot um, uh, celebrating mass. Um, you've got a um, guy with a, the beard on the left is Maximilian Kolbe, who was a, a Polish priest oh, yes. who um, sacrificed himself, I think, in Auschwitz. Um, yeah. He d- died, in, uh, died in concentration camp. Um, and you've got, you've got um, a, one of the Grand Duchesses in Russia who was killed, thrown down a coal mine. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, you've got people from China. So you've got people from across the world. But the thing is that they, that, you know, we've been talking about how most of the statues that we've been looking at are people who, who, who have killed. Uh, these are people who are here because they were killed. Dietrich um, Bonhoeffer. Yeah, yeah, so Bonhoeffer, yes. Um, so I suppose they're, they're a bit like Edith Cavell, who was in our first episode. She was. Um, but this, yeah. So these are martyrs. But Tom, I mean, this, you were arguing before about appropriation. You don't think this is kind of Britain... I mean, you have all these international figures, don't you? If you sort of think you're the centre of the world and you want to... No, because, because it, this is a church uh, and it was built as a Catholic church and it has always uh, celebrated saints from across, from okay. across the world. It it's, claims a, a universal jurisdiction, which, of course, the British state does not. And do you distinguish between these statues, which are on the facade of the, the church, as so many statues have been through history... Um, but they're of real people, you know, Martin Luther King. Do you just do you think there's a difference between them and the Parliament Square secular? Yes, statues? completely. Martin, even though Martin Luther King, you know, he's he's the same kind of figure as Nelson Mandela and Gandhi, isn't he? It's, why is he different just because he's on the facade Mar- of a church? Well, Martin Luther King is being celebrated as a Christian here. Okay, who who is being you know he implication is is that he was shot as a, as a martyr for for his faith, which I suppose in a sense he was. I mean, I agree that's controversial, but. It's from the ideological point of view. Yeah, it's an interesting counterpoint to the traditions of heroism that we were talking about in the first episode that we ever did on the rest the of the greatness. History, yeah, where we talked about greatness. Well, even in that episode, we sort of trod a line between greatness and sainthood, didn't we? People are more interested. You know, the, the the idea of heroism really has become one with which we're embarrassed. Yeah. Whereas the idea of of uh, of, of martyrdom, I think, is one that that we're more comfortable with. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth um, in that. 
I think so, uh, so because I we're think, more I think keen to an, embrace the victim now, maybe than the so, yeah. than the conqueror, if you like. So I think I think that that's um, you know it's it's, it's an interesting counterpoint that yeah. It, you know, those but, statues are obviously not nearly as well known as the statues in Parliament Square. Uh, and often people can go in Westminster Abbey and not look up and see them at all. Yeah. But, um, you know, Westminster Abbey is the, you know, it's the religious equivalent of, of Westminster. It's the um, it's the religious heart of of the country. But, but Tom, in the very first episode that we did about statues, which probably for our listeners seems about a Eternity lifetime ago. Again. Yeah. Um, you were talking about the Greeks and the Romans, particularly the Romans. And their influence on statuary, and I'm surprised you haven't you didn't talk about medieval saints and people of that kind, because surely they're the, they're also obvious precursors to. Because stat- I think that's the tradition that the the 17th century resurrection of um of Roman sculpture kind of supersedes. Okay. Um, because celebrating saints with statues is obviously a Catholic thing, which then gets erased with the Reformation. So in a sense, perhaps you could say that um starting to to put up statues of kings dressed in in roman costume yeah is a way of replacing that hunger for sculptures of of yeah. human individuals that protestantism had had um effectively destroyed when they closed down the monasteries See, I think there's and the a abbeys. huge issue which we talked about in our culture wars podcast of people's anxiety about images yeah and which is which is we've talked about Gary Young's article in the in the Guardian. Yeah, which um, said that all statues whole lot. should I be th- pulled down. Yeah. I think that that is that is a kind of enduring anxiety, and I think that um, a lot of the anxiety around all the political figures here. So, people have targeted Churchill, who, you know, basically saved Britain and the world from fascism, and but they also targeted Gandhi. Yes, they did. You know, the man I mean, who, who, the who, one... who won independence for India, but was, you know, accused of I, racism. See, I think there's but... a human impulse to tear down heroes, to create heroes, but also there's an enduring desire to tear them down. And that's why attacking Churchill and Gandhi, probably of all the, apart from Mandela, of all the people we've talked about, the most loved, the most associated with virtue of various kinds... I think that's why they were targeted. Well, I think also they were targeted because they were racist. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's an important part of it. I mean, if you're going to be as reductive as that, surely that is true of all the people on part. I mean, was the Earl of Derby, with Disraeli, were they, yeah, were they I, not, so did they think, not have prejudices think, that would seem alien to us I think now? it's a tension between the idea of a hero and the idea of a saint. Yeah. And with a saint, you accept that they're fallen, they're human, so the fact that they're sinners is kind of factored in theologically. With heroes, it becomes more complicated because we don't have the right. Yeah, I'm talking of of saints and sinners and heroes. <laughs> one of my absolute. We have now arrived outside uh, the palace of my Westminster. Favorite figures in all history: <laughs> the Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell. This I, I, I love this. So statue. Dominic, you're winning us all kinds of listeners in Ireland. Of course, by, uh, of course. So every time I walk past this with my son, who's half Irish. I always say, oh, let's pay homage to the great man. And my wife kind of sighs and rolls her eyes. Um, so this was very controversial, Tom, even at the time. It's put up in 1899 by Hanno Thornycroft. A liberal MP at the time, John George Fillimore, said, any man who could object to a statue of Cromwell 
must be imbued with bigotry and party spirit in the highest degree. Goodness. Well, that's um, Ireland told. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, the Irish and indeed nationalists, the who were the Irish nationalists who were sitting in, you know, in this building at the time, because they were part of the House of Commons, they all voted against, and the Tories voted against, because you know the man who killed a king. But well, the we, Liberals got it through. We we so in in the first episode we opened at the statue of Charles the first. Yeah, and I said then that I liked the fact that he's looking down. We cr- commemorate the Civil War by having a statue of Charles I at one end of Whitehall and a statue of Cromwell at the other. Um, I, I would feel uncomfortable having a statue of Cromwell if it wasn't balanced by a statue of would Charles you? I and, but and I, vice I don't, versa. I don't think I, the Irish listeners will say, oh, now that I hear there's a statue of Charles I, I feel a lot better. Well, the, the war in Ireland was a war over, uh, you know, it was a civil war yeah, in they which were the two proponents yeah. were, you know, it, yeah. Cromwell was there to fight royalists. Yeah. Um, so... Actually, having having those two figures is a way of paying honour to people who fought in very so. committed ways on both sides. I think that's a very elaborate way of putting what's basically an accident that they're. It is an accident. Absolutely, is accident. It wasn't deliberate, but it is a way of solving the, the the kind of inevitable tensions and conflicts that you have. Just like you know, we took Parliament Square. I think that uh, Churchill should be balanced by Attlee, and I think that um, Disraeli should be balanced by Gladstone. He's all about. I think balance. that's important. I think it is important in I mean, a public space with... like this. You need balance. There are all kinds of ironies, aren't there, with the church, with the Cromwell statue? I mean, Cromwell's here as a champion of parliament, parliamentary democracy, but he, of course, is the man who kicked out parliament. Down. Yeah, closed it well, down. Well, also, I mean, the other thing that this bears witness to is the fact that um, Cromwell, in a sense, and we talked about this with Paul Lay, yeah. is a 19th century creation. Yeah, so, with this Cromwell. So the, yeah. the, the Cromwell who is idolized and the Cromwell who is hated, um, people who enshrine him as the you know, the great founder of parliamentary liberty and the people who condemn him as a kind of genocidal precursor of Hitler. Both yeah. of them are indulging in creative anachronism. Yes. And I suppose that. in a sense, an awful lot of what we've been talking about is, is, is creative anachronism. Of course it is. And that's true of a lot of the statues. And talking of creative anachronism. Yeah. We've got one last, one last statue. Magnificent display. Uh, uh, you wouldn't forgive me if I didn't point out that he's behind, that Cromwell is behind bars. Which I think Tony, you see as some sort of metaphor, do you? But 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 obviously the reason for that is that um, Parliament is a terrorist threat. You know, it's under, and yeah. the two groups of people who have committed terrorist attacks in Westminster over the past few decades, first Irish Republicans. Yes, that's true. For whom Crom- Cromwell, the Statue of Cromwell yeah. is a standing provocation. Yes, that's true. The other are Islamist terrorists for whom our final statue, likewise, it might be thought, is a standing provocation. Because our final statue is an equestrian image of Richard Coeur de Lyon, Richard I, um, the 12th century king who uh, led the Third Crusade to recapture Jerusalem. And there's a nice parallel here, Tom, nice bit of symmetry. We started this trilogy seven years ago with um, the statue of Charles I, another equestrian statue, another king of England... Uh, Charles I, case King of England, Scotland. And here we are with another mounted king on a horse, a rather more impressive figure, I have to say, than Charles I, who is basically a bit of a fop. Um, Richard I, but a controversial figure, I suppose. I mean, he basically spent most of his reign out of England fighting Saracens, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, so kind of, an, you know, a standing provocation, I thought, to anyone who wants to see the establishment of a caliphate. Uh, um <laughs> It's kind of you know bring it on. Um, so but, but but the other the other thing about him is that um, 
rather like uh, Boudicca, he was no friend of London because he famously said that that he would cheerfully have sold London if it would raise him enough money oh my God. to pay for his crusade. He's like me. Uh, yes. He has my, my take on London. Um, so, uh, but you he know, was never here. I mean, he was endlessly off in the Holy Land or fighting in France. Um, so this is another statue with interesting history, an amusing history. So um, it was designed originally for the Great Exhibition by a man called Baron Marochetti. And do you know what the newspapers called him? Uh, something offensive. Count Marofatti. Did they? Was that in so, the Daily Mail? Probably. Yeah. Well, Daily Mail didn't exist then, but I'm, I'm sure they would have called him that. So he did this, and a lot of people said it was awful. Because actually, if you look closely, the chain mail that he's wearing is skin tight, so it clings to his muscles in a way that's utterly implausible. I the, quite like uh, that. The, poet, the poetry anthologist Francis Turner Palgrave, this is my final quote of this trilogy, said... It was an essentially vulgar and low-class work, precisely on the grounds, Tom, that called forth the wonder of uncultivated spectators. Well, I'm an uncultivated you spectator because I quite like spectator. it. I quite like yeah. it. Didn't it get hit by a bomb in the um, it, Second a, World a War and they had to repair the a sword? A bomb exploded nearby. I think just missed it. And, and the sword um, got broken and they had to replace exactly. it. Exactly. I think that's the story. Yes. So it's a weird one that is here, isn't it? Because he was a king who was absent for most of the time. Yeah. So all he, the kings, he's the got statues of the kings. We've got we've got Richard the First, who yeah. who who wanted to sell London and was never here. Yeah. We've got Charles the First, who was so useless they chopped his head off. We've got James, James the Second, who got driven into exile, and George the Fourth, who was just a basic, you know, a sausage. fat sausage. Yeah. They're all hopeless. Yeah. But in a way, I kind of like that. Uh, oh, and then opposite, we've got George the Fifth, stamp collecting, stamp collecting. led the world in stamp collecting. Yeah. Um, and also who, led Britain through the First World War. You know, jolly good king, generally, I would say. And called the current Queen Lilibet, thereby inspiring the name of uh, Harry and Meghan's Oh, it's so nice daughter. that we brought it back to Meghan. It's what so, she would want, isn't it? So there's, so there's a link, yeah. So it all connects. It all yeah. joins up. So we began with Charles I and we've ended with Princess Meghan. Um, Princess Meghan? Princess Meghan. One day, she, one day she'll have a statue here. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I think we've done that. We've solved the whole statue dilemma. Well, I think, have we not decided they should all stay and we should just build more? Isn't that the... No, um... I think we've decided we should, we should keep them all, we should get rid of the lot. Really? Yeah. I don't recall us coming to that conclusion. But, um... Well, I think I said that about the statues in Parliament Square. I was quite yeah. in favour of getting rid of the lot. That was a mad, um... mad thesis. Anyway, we've had a very jolly walk. It's been very sunny. We've done three episodes. I think we're and at also, the end you've of... changed my mind. Yes. Now, that does not think... happen often. I don't think that's ever happened. The produ- even as we speak, the producers are thinking about ways to animate that, put it on Twitter as a clip. Um, I'm still wearing my Tom Holland baseball cap, which is an achievement. So in a way, I've been humiliated, but you've been even more humiliated. That's so, what I like to so think this podcast a, is all so about. So we've evened out. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> to our remaining listener, we say thank you for staying with us. And uh, we will see you next time uh, when we will be back in the studio, or at least our own homes, and talking about something else. That's not about statues. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com.